take your Bible, go with me to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Now the last time I was with you on Sunday night, this is the text that we looked at and I told you this was going to be in two parts. And we got to a certain point and I said, now we're, we're going somewhere with this. And so I want you to turn back and look with me in Hebrews chapter 10. We're talking tonight on this phrase that's in this passage uh, and, and, and I want you to look at it with me. It's Hebrews 10, verse 19, or beginning in verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through His flesh. Uh, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus through the sacrifice of His own body, through the consecration to God of His own body, He demonstrated that consecration and that sacrifice on the cross when He gave Himself and He shed His blood and He gave His life. He laid His life down, His body, as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 21, And having a high priest over the house of God, that's Christ, Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, speaking of the, 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 our spirits, our spiritual bodies, not these physical bodies. He's not talking about taking a bath. Physically, he's not even talking about baptism. That's not what he's referring to. He's referring to our our spiritual body, uh, the inner man, the true us, being washed, being cleansed by spiritual water. Okay, by the blood of Jesus, and 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 then so he goes on, verse twenty three, and let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let's hold fast our profession without wavering, without faltering, without compromising, without losing heart, literally is what he means. For he is faithful that promised. And then notice verses 24 and 25. Zero in, listen very, very carefully to what the Scripture says. And let us... Now, he's already mentioned two of these let us phrases these forms of instruction. He said, verse 22, let us draw near. He said, verse 23, let us hold fast. And then verse 24, now let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now let's highlight verses 24 and 25. They are uh, inseparably linked together. Let's consider one another to provoke one another to good works. Uh, and and the, the word provoke there is a word that literally, as we said last time, literally means to stir up. To stir up to a fever. It's a medical term. In other words, we are to intentionally stir people up to love Jesus more and to love other people more, more fervently, and 
We're to stir them up to demonstrate that love through good works and righteous deeds. We are to stir people up. So last time we were together, we talked about, and it was in May, the last time I brought a Sunday night message, we talked about the what. That's in verse 24. What does it mean? What's being said here? Well, he, he says that we were commanded, let's, let's stir people up. Let's, let's do something to get them excited and get them more motivated about loving God more, loving people more, and showing that love in their life by how they serve the Lord, how they treat other people. So we talked about the what last time we were together. But then we want to notice and answer this question, verse 24, the who. Notice the who. That's kind of obvious, so I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. Well, who is being referred to? Well, it's us. Notice what he says. Let us, us, the writer of the book of Hebrews is including, yes, these Hebrew Christians, but let's make modern day application. He leaves the door wide open. He's talking about us, us. The application is universal to every Christian, not just these Hebrew Christians, not just these ones in Rome. No. He's talking to us. It's universal. It applies to 2021. It applies to Christian. It applies to, 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 to you watching right now from wherever you're watching from. It applies to every believer. It applies to every member of faith church. Let us do this. I am to consider you. I am to consider my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are to consider one another. We're to consider each other. No Christian is exempt from this command. It's not just a suggestion, gang. It is a command. We are commanded by God to intentionally stir people up. Us. We are. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. I'm not called to minister. Well, the truth of the matter is, you may not be called to vocational ministry, but you are called to minister. Every Christian is a minister. Every member of a local church is a minister. And right there where you are, say that to yourself in your mind. Write it down somewhere. Put it as a post-it note somewhere. Put it in your phone. Let it become part of your spiritual DNA. Man, maybe we need to post it everywhere in the church and, and, and where when people walk in, they see every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. I had a, a gentleman a few years ago look at me and he was talking to me about wanting to join the church. And here's what he said. Man, I love what he said. He was passionate. He was excited. He ended up not joining. But anyway, he was excited. He said, he said, preacher, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I believe every member should be a contributor, not a consumer. Well, man, I like that. Let me ask you. What's your spirit? What's your attitude when it comes to your involvement in the local church or your obligation, your responsibility? Not just to the local church itself, gang, but to the body of Christ, to one another as fellow believers. Do you see yourself as having an obligation? Do you, do you realize the obligatory tone that these words have from Scripture? Let us do this. Let us Consider one another. 
and intentionally provoke, stir up, bring one another to a fever, to intensity, a greater amount of intensity. Each individual Christian has the responsibility to purposely stir up other believers. The what? Well, consider one another. Provoke to love and good works. The who? Let us do this. Now notice verse 25, he gives us the how. <laughs> how are we going to stir one another up? What's interesting? Now don't miss this. He basically highlights two different ways that we do this. But it's not two ways that are inseparable. It's two ways that are linked to one another. Notice what he said the first way is by corporate gatherings. By gathering corporately. Notice what he said. Not forsaking, and by the way, he continues this thought. Let's consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Boom! How are we going to do this? He answers the question. By not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, there were some in the local church there at Rome where these Hebrew Christians were a part who had forsaken the assembly. They were in the bad habit of missing church. Now, let's throw everything out the window over the last year and a half, okay? We all know about COVID. Everybody knows about COVID. Everybody knows that churches, most churches, not all of them, most churches shut down, suspended their services. Not necessarily that they shut down church, but having corporate gatherings in the building, for a lot of churches, and, every, and by the way, again, I remind you, every pastor, every church had to do what was best for them that the Holy Spirit led them to do. We all get that. If you don't get that, I can't help you a whole lot, okay? So let's put that aside. Now it's time to regather. No debate. No reason why, reasonably speaking, that you and I cannot regather and cannot meet for church and cannot be here on a consistent weekly basis. Now what's interesting is, in the text, he doesn't say how often to gather. He just says to gather. You're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, oh, he says, do it so much the more. He's talking about encouraging one another. But he doesn't say how often we're supposed to meet. Some churches in some, in some time frames of history, they met every single day. Now, we don't do that. I'm not saying we should. Maybe you're sitting where you are tonight, and you're like, well, bless God, if we really love Jesus, we'd meet every single day. Well, then you meet every day, okay? I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm not saying we should. <laughs> there were others uh, throughout church history where they met once a week, okay? You say, well, how often did the early church meet? Well, we know that the early church would meet in homes and meet in individuals' homes. I'll tell you what. How many of y'all, raise your hand or holler, throw something, let us know online. How many of y'all are ready to have uh, uh, about... 20 to 25 to 50 church members every night come to your house. Y'all ready for that one? Okay. 
So we can debate all we want to and hash it out and argue back and forth, bless God, about how often we ought to meet in a week. Three to thrive? Well, last time I, I checked, when you include Sunday school and you include Sunday morning preaching and then Wednesday night, that's, that's, that's three right there. And then other times that we gather, and I mean, man, before COVID, we were meeting four or five times every single week. And man, you forget three to thrive. Uh, here at Faith Church, we believed in four or five to thrive, right? And that's okay. But it's interesting, he doesn't say how often you ought to gather together in a week's time. Now, why do you think, gang, answer this, why do you think that the Holy Spirit wasn't that specific? Could it be that he wanted to leave it up to that local individual congregation? Could it be that the Holy Spirit is smart enough to know that That cultures change, seasons change, times change, and that to stick people and restrict people to a certain form of how often in a week they ought to gather, that that would be unreasonable. So we didn't do that. I've, I've, I've read my Bible just like you have multiple times through. I have yet to come across that verse that even mentions three to thrive or, or specifically, well, what time should a church meet? What time should the gathering be? He doesn't say anything about that here. Think with me. I'm not trying to be controversial. I want you to think biblically though. Let's not just think traditionally. Let's think biblically. Let's be truth-based, not tradition-based. Because there are some whose faith tradition was meeting just once a week, and I'm sure they'd look at us and say, man, that's extreme. You meet three times? You meet four or five times? Man, we we don't do that. Y'all are extreme. Well, man, sometimes we might be tempted to look at faith gatherings and 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 and, and spiritual groups and uh, biblically minded people that may gather for uh, uh, six or seven times a week, and we may say, "Man, that's extreme." Okay, here's the deal, gang. The Holy Spirit didn't say how many times in a week you ought to gather. He didn't. But the tone of Scripture is to make sure that at least on the Lord's day, we gather together, corporately, together, in an assembly, that we assemble together. And it doesn't have to be in a brick building. Man, we, we, God didn't say that. That doesn't make a church. This auditorium doesn't make a church. This facility isn't the church. The church is the gathering, not the gathering place. The church is the people who have gathered together. That's the church. So if we gathered under a tree, if we gathered under a thatched roof like they do in the jungle or in Africa, if we gathered in a mud hut, if we gathered out in the open air, that's the gathering. 
That's the church. He doesn't mention what the building's supposed to look like. He doesn't mention how often or how many times on Sunday you're supposed to meet. He doesn't mention what time on the Lord's day. He doesn't mention if you're supposed to meet in the morning or at night, Monday through Friday. He doesn't mention. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was wise enough to leave it up to each individual congregation on what is best for them for that time and how this applies to them in their situation. He wasn't as restrictive as sometimes I think we want to make it. The emphasis is on gathering every week. I don't believe that's debatable. I don't believe we can fudge on that. But the emphasis is on the weekly gathering, the tone in the New Testament, on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. And that's Sunday. Gather together. You make sure you gather together. Don't neglect that. Don't abandon that. Don't shirk that. Don't try to weasel out of gathering together. Not forsaking the assembling together. The most obvious meaning and application that there is to this command is that God wants His people, hear me, to be actively engaged with the local church faithfully committed to the local church and to reveal that commitment through regular attendance. Now gang, you don't have to be a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist to take that application away from the passage. It's obvious. In other words, here's the tone of the text. When church is going on at your church, be there. Can we at least agree that that's what the text means? He didn't say what time. Ch- churches are have the liberty to choose different times, okay? He didn't even specify how often. But he says, as often as you schedule it, if the doors are open, brother, be there. You be in attendance. You leave it up to your local congregation, your leadership to determine how often that is, but you make sure that at your local church, when the doors are open, be there. When church is going on, be in attendance. Be faithful. The meeting together should be habitual. Let me say just a word about this before we close. Let me say that the enemy wants to keep you away from the habit of putting yourself in a local church setting that provides life-on-life accountability. Here's what I know, that the enemy, Satan, wants to keep us out of church as much as possible. And buddy boy, he'll use anything he can to do that. He'll use work, he'll use recreation, he'll use vacation, he'll use sickness, he'll try to use discouragement, he'll try to use misunderstanding, he'll get us out of the habit. And once we get out of the habit, it's like pulling teeth to get back in the habit. He'll use anything he can to get us from assembling together in the local church on the Lord's day. And I want you to know, 
He wants to keep you from being in these rows. And if He can't stop you from doing that, He wants to keep you from life-on-life community groups. So here's the big question for you and for me when it comes to faithfulness to church. What is it that keeps you from the habit of being in church? What right now in your life is keeping you from regular attendance? In church? In Sunday school? Laziness? Excessive vacationing? Misplaced priorities? Youth sports? Fear? Fear of crowds? An undisciplined lifestyle? Lack of planning, resentment even, towards someone else. I ask you, dear friend, prayerfully consider what it is that Satan is tempting, wanting you to use as a reason to stay away from the regular gathering of the local church. Now, I mentioned in the introduction, or as we're going, we were going through this, that there are two ways that we provoke one another in the text. Let's stick with the text. The first one was corporate gathering. Okay? I feel like I beat that horse dead. But there's another way, and we'll talk about that next time. Let's let the Holy Spirit work in a real way. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we continue on in this text... Open in Scripture, understanding Scripture. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous truth in Your Word. And help us to elevate the priority of the weekly corporate gathering. And to prioritize it. To realize just how vital it is. It's not a spectator sport. It's something we are going to be held accountable for. Every week. Empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.